What is a bad seed? It is true that if you seed bad, you harvest bad. But can you apply that principle to people? We're going to answer that question on today's episode. Howdy, everyone. Keeping with the farming narrative. How do you do? Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama... <laughs> with sound effects, even. And we do this using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. Can sin be passed down? In other words, are the sins of the Father visited upon the children? We're going to explore that question and even more on this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You might say Walter Terrell had it rough. Growing up, he and his mother were the victims of his stepfather's abuse. The Bible states in Exodus that God visits the iniquity of the father on the children. But does God hold us responsible for something someone else did? Friends, rest assured, God does not hold you responsible for something that someone else did. The sins of the father can create uh, damage and brokenness that can play out in the lives of their offspring. But thanks to Jesus Christ's death on the cross, there is a way out that Walter Terrell is going to share with you in this week's episode. Also, stick around because later we are going to field a listener's question and give the rest of you an opportunity to enter a sweepstakes drawing for a prize. And, uh, well, it's bigger than a Cracker Jack box prize especially nowadays. <laughs> Have you seen the Cracker Jack prizes lately? Sad. They're really not prizes. They're like digital uploads that are made available through an app. Boo. Come on, Cracker Jack. What happened to the whistles and the trinkets and the toy cars? Remember those? But first, let's get to it, folks. The true testimony of Walter Terrell. <laughs> Jar's mine. Go get your own. Francis, give me that jar back. You hear me? <laughs> I hear you. But this one's got my name on it. This is the best peach brandy you ever made. That don't mean you can drink it all. Last time it made you sick and you threw it all up. Now hand it over, woman, and show me some respect or else. Or else what? You ain't gonna do nothing to me with all the neighbors driving by. Why, you little wench, I ought to beat you right here on the porch. Okay, okay, here's your stupid jar. But you better save some for me. There's plenty to go around. Ain't that right, Walter? Walter? I didn't know you was sitting out here. Hey, Walter, you like peaches, don't you? Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> here, son, take a sip from this jar and tell me what you think. Steve, you don't give booze to five-year-olds. Ain't gonna hurt him none. Here, boy, take a little sip. <laughs> it's like liquid fire warm you up real good. No, thank you. Don't waste that on him. I want it. Come on, Steve, give me some. I told you to stop bugging me. Now let go of my arm. Give me another sip. Ow! What was that for? For sassing me. And there's plenty more where that came from. Now get in the house. Ow! Stop pulling my hair. You're hurting me. Gonna hurt a whole lot more if you don't start listening to me. Stop! Stop hitting me. I'm sorry. Please stop. Stop! 
How does one stop the psychological damage of early abuse? The man in our story will tell you as we bring you the true testimony of Walter Terrell, right now on Unshackled. That frightened five-year-old sitting on the porch was me, and that man was my stepfather, Stephen. Stephen was what some people call a mean drunk, and when he went on a binge, he would abuse my mother and cuss me out for no reason at all. Eventually, he and Mama had a baby girl, and then a boy, and then they became Stephen's pride and joy. So much so that whenever they went on vacation, he made me stay behind at my grandma's house. I didn't understand it at the time, but it was her faith in God that gave her the wisdom to help a troubled grandson. Now, if you want some pemmican, you better finish those eggs first. I'm not hungry. Oh, you're always hungry, Walter. What's bothering you? Nothing. Something's bugging you. You gonna tell me, or do I have to drag it out of you? How come my brother and sister get to go on vacation and I don't? It ain't fair. You're right. It's not fair. Is there something wrong with me? No, Walter. Your stepdaddy, he... He just finds it hard to love another man's son. That's all. Now, I ain't saying he's right. Just saying that's the way it is. Now, all we can do is to ask God to change his heart. I keep praying for that man. You pray for me too, Grandma? Oh, every day, boy. Every day. When you live with an alcoholic, you learn to walk on eggshells whenever they're home. The slightest noise or word or wrong look can ignite a stream of verbal or physical abuse. If I came home from school and the house was empty, or if it was just Mama and me, I would breathe a sigh of relief. But part of me knew that more abuse was always lurking, just around the corner. What you making, Walter? Sure smells good. Frabaloni sandwich. You want one? No, thank you. Be sure you turn that stove off, you hear? Yes, ma'am. I just did. It's off. Walter, Daddy just got home. You better stay out of his way. <laughs> what are you looking at, boy? Nothing. Are you hurt? Well, never felt better in, in my whole miserable life. Then how come you're walking funny? Don't be smart with me, boy. My shoes hurt, that's all. Just gotta lean against something here and kick them off. Ah! Oh! Why is this stove burner hot? I fried some bologna, that's Well, all. you forgot to turn it off, boy. Look at the red marks on my hands. Stephen, what happened? Oh, my. I'll go upstairs and find some burn cream. Walter, I told you to turn that stove but off. Mama, I did. Don't you talk back to your mama. And don't you move till I get back, you hear? Yes. Yes, sir. I found the burn cream. I'm sure your hand will be... Stephen, what are you doing with that gun? Stay out of this, Francis. This is between me and this little runt of yours. Stephen, please! I ought to kill you, boy, for what you did to my hand. But instead, <laughs> I'm going to kill your best friend. Where's that shepherd dog you love so much? Where is he? Outside, on the front porch. Please don't hurt him, please. Come here, dog. No, Stephen, no. Over here. 
Hold still. I said, hold still. Please don't kill him, Daddy. I promise to do better. Please don't. I promise. I, I, I promise I will. Steven, please. <laughs> no! Now, you go bury that dog and wipe his blood off that porch till it's all gone. You hear me? Yes. Yes, sir. That was my birthday. I turned eight years old that day as I carried my best friend into the woods and left his lifeless body lying on the ground under an old oak tree. I didn't even have the strength to dig him a proper grave. I cried so hard that night that it seemed the tears would never stop. The next day, after my stepdad had sobered up, he asked me where my dog had run off to. He had already forgotten what he'd done. It was only a few weeks before the cycle of abuse would start all over again. Walter, come quick and help your daddy. What's wrong? What happened? The hogs got loose and are running all over the place. I'll check the front yard, you look in the field. Hurry, Walter, hurry. Oh, no, if he thinks I left the gate unlocked, I'll get a beating for sure. Here, piggies! Here, piggies! Walter, big sow's heading your way. Grab her! Oh, I'm trying! I, I'm, but she's too big! Oh, no! Oh no, she got away! You ain't good for nothing, boy! I tried. I, I really tried, but she was. You always have an excuse, don't you? Hand me that tobacco stick on the ground there. Please don't hit me. Please don't. Beating you seems the only way you're gonna learn, boy. Now stand still! <gasps> my stepdad took that stick and beat my kneecaps until they were black and blue and oozing blood. I swore to myself that one day I would kill that man for all the harm he had done. It wasn't long afterwards that I went to stay with my grandparents because of my stepfather's abuse. My grandparents took care of me and allowed me to help in the tobacco fields and around the farm. It was a rough life, but it was a good life. The only bad part was my uncle, mom's brother, was still living in that house. And he was a drunkard just like my stepfather. Hey, Walter, do me a favor and hide these empty beer bottles before your grandmother sees them. You do that for me? Sure, Uncle Billy. <laughs> I know you like sucking the foam out of them leftover bottles. I seen you doing that by the trash can. No, don't worry, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> you like that stuff, don't you? I, I guess so, but I only drink a little. <laughs> I've seen you drink more than a little. Your grandmother would have a fit if she knew her little Walter had gotten drunk once or twice. You won't tell her, would you? Nah, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> well, shame you're moving back in with your folks tomorrow. Won't be the same without you hanging around here. I miss seeing my brother and sister, and maybe... Maybe my stepfather's changed. Nah, he's still the same old mean drunk he always was. If I were you, I'd stay out of his way. It only took a day for me to realize he hadn't changed. I did everything I could to avoid him, but once or twice a week, one of his drinking buddies would show up and I'd hang around to make sure my mama was safe. My stepfather was like a dormant volcano always ready to erupt without any warning. Fine neighbor you are, you come over to my house uninvited and drink all my liquor and brandy. Yeah, what do you mean? You invited me in? Besides, you drank more than I did. I did not. So you what? You come over to my house anytime you want and I'll, I'll make it up to you. 
if you don't make a fool of yourself. Who are you calling a fool? Get out of my house! Go on, before I have to throw you out. I'm trying to, but I can't seem to get out of this chair. I'm getting something from my bedroom. You better be gone by the time I count to ten. You hear me? One, two, Here, Mr. Three, Keith, let me help you get out. Why does your dad get so mean? Five, six, I thought seven, he was my friend. Eight, you best nine, get out of here. I'll go ten. get your jacket from the kitchen. Time's up, old neighbor, and you're still in my house. What? Why are you putting that shotgun at me? I, I thought you and I were friends! Folks, we'll get back to Walter's story in just a moment, but first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. Org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to Walter's story. At the sound of the gunshot, I rushed into the living room to see my stepfather holding a shotgun and our neighbor lying on the floor, dead. Stephen seemed to know what was coming and calmly told Mama to call the police. They arrested him and at the trial, the judge gave him life in prison. Mama lost the house we were living in and we had to move back with my grandparents and uncle in their small two-story farmhouse. By the time I turned 18, all the abuse I'd received growing up made me want to rebel against everyone. I started sneaking out nearly every night and getting drunk with my uncle. All I wanted to do was get high and forget how hard my life was. Wasn't long before my uncle started picking fights with me, though, because I was getting bigger and didn't always want to do what he said. I'm tired of you smart-mouthing me, boy. And I'm tired of you telling me what to do. You're not my this boss. This is my house, and you'll do it. It's not your house. It belongs to my grandparents. You're too lazy to go get your own house. Ow! Be quiet, or I'll hit you again. That's right. Run up to your room, Wally, and cry like a baby. I'm not crying. Where does he keep it? I know it's here somewhere. Oh, got it. You were gonna regret the day you ever hit me. Walter, what's all the shouting about? Walter, what are you doing with that gun? I'm teaching Uncle Billy a lesson. Move out of my way. I'm not moving from this spot until you cool down. I'm tired of him hitting me and bossing me around. This is not the way to settle this. Do you want to end up in jail too? Look at me, Walter. Look at me. 
You are not your stepfather. God has something better planned for you than to rot in prison. Now put that gun down. My grandmother stopped me from killing my uncle, but I still had so much pent-up rage. By the time I was 21, my life consisted of chewing dip and getting drunk every night. One summer night, I got stinking drunk at a party and decided to drive myself home. Yeah, stupid idea. All right, wake up. Time to go home. Where am I? County jail. Why am I in jail? Well, weaving in and out of traffic, driving while intoxicated. Come on, let's go. Somebody posted your bail. Who? Your stepdaddy. Hello, Walter. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in prison. They gave me an early release because of my age and the prison being overcrowded. <laughs> Crazy, huh? I leave jail and you go to jail. My car's right around the corner. Nah, I'll take my car. No, I don't think so. Your driver's license just got revoked for a full year. My stepfather looked much older and smaller. So I was no longer afraid of him, but I swore I would never, ever forgive him for what he did to my mother and me. Eventually, I got my license back and got a job at a textile mill. Now, there was a woman there that would listen to my stories about growing up. She was married with two small children, and she told me how her husband used to be a drunkard and that he went to church and got saved and turned his life over to Jesus. I was happy for her, but deep inside, I knew that Jesus wanted nothing to do with me. I thought, what God would allow my stepfather to abuse me the way he did? But this woman was relentless when inviting me to her church. Hey, Walt, my church is putting on a Christmas play called I Dreamed I... I dreamed I searched heaven for you. <laughs> I know, this is the fifth time you told me about it. I would really like for you to come. It's tonight, and I hope to see you there. What do you say? Okay, I'll be there. But while those words were coming out of my mouth, I was planning my escape. You see, my cousin Bobby had been asked me to his church play, so come Monday morning, I'd lie and tell Connie that I went to his play instead of hers, which I had no intention of going to. It was a perfect cover story. And alcoholics are experts at creating cover stories. At least, we think we are. I avoided Connie as I left work and went to a grocery store to buy a case of beer. As I got out of my car, I recognized a familiar figure, some guy named Brent who handed out gospel tracts to anyone who would take them. Hello, young man. Do you know Jesus loves you? If you say so, that's what you tell me every time. Tell me. If your grandmother searched heaven a hundred years from now, would she find you there? What did you just say? There's only two places where you could be, heaven or hell. That's what the Bible says. Where will you be, Walter? How do you know my name? It's on your work shirt. You know God knows your name too. He has great plans for you, Walter, if you give your life to him. Would you like me to show you what the Bible says? No thanks, I'm in a hurry. Lord, he's so close. Open his eyes tonight. Open his eyes. 
I took my case of beer back to my oldest brother's house, drank half of it, and passed out on his couch. A few hours later, my cousin Robert woke me up and offered me a ride to his church play. I started to say I wasn't going, but next thing I know, I'm in my car driving to his church, which was a miracle considering how intoxicated I was. I was one of the last ones to arrive, which meant no seats were left. I staggered my way over to the side and let the wall hold me up. There I was with ripped jeans, a rock shirt, long black hair with a goatee to match, earring in my left ear, and drunk as a drunk can be watching a Christian Christmas play. As the lights dimmed, I spotted my cousin Robert in the choir behind the scenery. One by one, angels came onto the stage. One with long brown hair looked familiar, and I realized it was Connie from work. Somehow she had got me to her play after all. I had no idea she went to my cousin's church. On the stage, folks who pretended to die were either being escorted into heaven or guided by the grim reaper in the hell. After several scenes, a guy came out with a guitar and played a song about heaven. Interestingly, another guy came out and spoke, and he looked like the guy who handed out tracks near the grocery store. Tonight, we've seen reminders that each and every one of us has a destiny that awaits us. The Bible says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Every one of us will be judged for our sins. However, the good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take the judgment we deserve for our sins. Some of you may feel unworthy of receiving that good news. Or you may feel so stuck in your sins or your addictions that you feel there is no way out. The Bible says there is a way. Listen to these words from Psalm 40. Do they describe you? I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Are you ready to put your trust in God's love and grace, no matter what horrible things have happened in your life? If you are, come and meet me here. The conviction of all my sins rose up within me right then, and I knew I had to make things right with God. I almost ran down that aisle, fell on my knees, and called upon God to forgive me of all my sins and save me by His grace. I fell on my knees as a broken child of the devil, and I arose a child of the King. God saved me, took the desire for tobacco and alcohol from me, and sobered me up for His honor and glory. I started attending that church regularly, and I met my wife there. He called both of us into full-time youth ministry around the world. Life at times has been hard, but God has never left us. We lost a baby, but we know we'll see Him again in heaven. Then God blessed us with two more children, a son and a daughter. Eventually, God would take the raw wounds from my childhood and, one after another, turn them into holy scars. That journey began with doing what seemed impossible, forgiving the man I promised never to forgive. 
Hi. Uh, could you tell me where Stephen Terry's room is? I I'm sorry. Uh, visiting hours are almost over, and only close family is so... I'm his son. How is he? You want the truth? Yes, ma'am. His diabetes has taken a toll, and he's lost a lot of weight since we admitted him. The doctors have done everything they can, but they're recommending hospice. I'm sorry. There's not much more we can do. Can I see him? Um, oh, of course. He's just in that room there. Dad? You asleep? Walter? That really you? Yeah, Dad, I'm here. How you feeling? Uh, drugs make me dream a lot. I was dreaming about that first house we lived in and all those pigs we raised. Remember that time they got loose? Yeah, I remember. I remember you were mean to me as I was growing up. You beat me for no real reason and Mama too. You cursed me out and did other things to me that I will not mention. I tried to love you, but your actions made me hate you so much that I had plans to kill you first chance I had. Oh, I, I, I've hurt a lot of people in my life. Yeah. Crazy thing happened to me one Christmas. I gave my heart and life to Christ, and he has turned my life upside down. God has forgiven me, and I'm here to tell you to tell you that I have forgiven you for everything you ever did to me. I'm here to tell you, I love you. The room was still for a moment, and then my stepfather gathered every ounce of strength he had left, reached up, grabbed me, hugged me for what seemed like an eternity, and apologized to me. I asked him if he had made peace with God for all the wrong things he had done in his life, and he assured me he had. When I left his room that night, I didn't know it would be the last time we would talk, but he passed away shortly thereafter. I thought often about that time in his hospital room. To be honest, I didn't want to see him because of all the mean things he had done to me. But the Lord said, go and forgive him just as I have forgiven you. I fought God about going that night, but in the end, God won, and I'm glad he did, because that was when the healing began. Powerful, huh? And what a lesson about how God can take someone raised in a tough situation, fraught with sin, and, well, grow them into a holy harvest. In other words, every individual is responsible for their own choices, and in the end, the only choice that really counts is how you answer this question. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Now, I have another question here from a visitor of one of our live productions who asked, when will that particular production recorded before an audience air uh, or be broadcast on the radio? Good question. So when we record an episode, which we do on Saturdays in front of a live audience, unless we're experiencing a pandemic, <laughs> it will take another three months before that episode airs. We still have to edit the show together, you know, remove uh, flubs, mistakes. Sometimes we'll have to 
replace a sound effect or two, just tighten the episode or make cuts if it's too long. Plus, we need a little padding time-wise to make sure we can do all that and not drive ourselves crazy with pressure and stress. So, usually about three months. Now, if you have a question or comment for us here at Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, something you may be curious about or want to share, you can write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, uh, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can also share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to uh, review or rate our podcast. We appreciate your input and encouragement. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. Okay, here's the prize for our upcoming sweepstakes contest a beautiful wooden scripture plaque. And I believe the scripture uh, on this particular plaque is Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And folks, this plaque is gorgeous, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. Um, It's been sawn from a tree branch or a log, and it looks like it, and uh, and it's cut in such a way so as to keep as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. It's been handcrafted around the natural character and beauty of the wood that, uh, well, that God created. So all you have to do to enter our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or... Email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. The winner of this sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on April 5th, but the deadline for entry is March 31st. And next time... Hey, Sandra. Hey there. I was just about to go grab a drink to unwind. Any interest in a little co-teacher happy hour? Sure, let's do it. And that was the first time I cheated on my wife. Patrick Brighton lived for himself. Cindy. Where is she? Where? She's not here. Do you have any idea what you're doing to the children and me? I don't care. He followed his pride and lustful desires wherever they drove him. Guys, uh, give uh, Dad the ball for a second. I need to talk to you. Daddy's leaving, Mommy. Uh, I'll be moving out of the house. It wasn't until he came close to losing his family forever that he discovered his need for forgiveness and grace. Something inside of me is saying, go home. You have to go home. You gotta listen to that voice, don't you think? Don't miss his moving story, coming soon on Unshackled. This is program number 3655, heard in the true story of Walter Terrell were Stephen Spencer, Tyler Kaplan, Tina Glushenko, Jane Hahnemann, Ryan Kitley, and Demetrius Troy. Original music and audio engineer Don Badorf. Sound effects Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer David Pierczynski. Script by Scott Kirk. All right, folks, that's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>